We're starting a new series of teachings today, uh, and you know, it's a character in the month of September to dedicate some good time to teaching, uh, reminding us, rekindling our quest for relational integrity, for us to increase in wisdom to be able to maximize the relationships and connections that God is bringing into our lives. So the month of September is very special. We call it living and loving. And we've tagged this one, free to love. I'll be starting with this first message, which I've also titled free to love. Uh, but as I start to teach, I just want to remind somebody that the main agent of transformation in the life of a believer is the word of God. Romans 12 and verse 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the seed of renewer is the word of God. Is the word of God. So your attitude towards the word of God is very important. And for all of us who are in physical gathering here today, I want you to first, first and foremost clap for yourself. You brave the rain to come to church today and to salute your courage uh, for braving, you know, it through the rain to come. Everyone watching uh, from home and from different parts of the world, I want to take distractions away from you and get ready to interact with the Word of God, which is the agent of mind renewer, which is uh, the number one source of raw material for thoughts in the mind of a believer in Christ Jesus. It's as we embrace the word of God that we actually become open to change. The word of God is filled with instruction, rebuke, reprove. The Bible says the word of God is quick and powerful, sharp, sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts through matters, issues, argument. Yeah, things that disturb our mind. It damages our ignorance forever so that we can embrace the truth of God's word and embrace the light of God's word. So you must work on your attitude towards the word of God. This month of September, you must make up your mind. The word of God must find a resting place in my heart. I must make considerable progress in my spiritual development. I don't want to remain on the same spot. And the key issue is how I interact with the word of God. That's the key issue how well my heart is open to receive it. You know, the Bible says the same word that was preached to us was preached to them, but not being mixed with faith in them that had it, it did not profit them. For the word of God to profit me, it has to be mixed with faith in my heart. And that speaks to, first and foremost, the attitude. So as we start to teach on relationships this month, on maximizing the network, and you know, we're not only going to speak into romantic relationships, but speaking to relationship, living and loving. How do you become a more loving person? Somebody that reflects the love of Christ from inside out. You need to understand that this is very important because not managing relationships well can place a limit on how far I can go in life. Every of God's divine intervention in my life will come through the instrumentality of someone else. 
God will always position people around me to help me match up to his expectation for my life. How I manage those relationships will then be very pivotal to the amount of praise that I gain in life. That's why I must seek to improve on my uh, uh, relational ability. You know, we say that the wiser you are, the better you live. So when I gain wisdom, when it comes to relationship, my life generally becomes better. And I need to open up my heart this month to gain those, the, the requisite wisdom that can move my life forward in the area of relationship. Are we ready? I said, are we ready? Can you hear me tell your neighbor, say, you're free to love. Oh, so I'm speaking, say, I'm speaking into your life that you are free to love. If you are sitting by your spouse, tell them you are free to love me. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, in fact, you can say it to anybody. Yeah. We're in the house of God. Yeah, yeah. We are all supposed to love freely. Am I saying the truth? The only thing is that it may not be romantic love, but it doesn't make it less love. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you're, I mean, you're sitting with a brother and you're a brother, you are free to love me. But it's the love of God we're talking about. And, and it, it, it's pure love. It, it, it adds to my life. It doesn't diminish from me. So look at somebody beside you and tell them, you're free to love me. Praise God. And everyone online, just, just put one emoji that to, for us to know how you're feeling today about love. Yeah. Uh, you, you feel free to do that. I want to start out today by reading from 2 Timothy chapter 3 from verse 1 to 5. 2 Timothy 3 from verse 1 to 5, that's where we want to start out from. Uh, as we start to look at the atmosphere that is pervasive today when it comes to love and relationships. You know, you can't change certain things without addressing the pervasive atmosphere. What is prevalent in the mind of people when you mention something. So when I say love, what comes to your mind? When I say love, uh, what emotion does it elicit from you? That's what I'm talking about. And it's a way our world is being configured consistently that is redefining what love is, what love should be, how you and I should connect. And I think it's good we start from there, but we're not going to start from there just by uh, bringing some things from social media to uh, know where we are. No. Let's start from the Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, from verse 1 to 5, I read it first and foremost from the New King James Version. The Bible says, but know this, let me pause and say this quickly. This was Paul writing to Timothy, a pastor, a young pastor, his protege, and giving him some inkling, some, you know, idea of what will happen in the last days. And the Apostle Paul's assumption here was that Timothy will see the last days. At least he will outlive him. And some things will happen. But the truth is that the things that Apostle Paul was writing to Timothy about, he actually was supposed to be writing to me about. Because this is more end times than the time of Timothy. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. So it says here, but know this, 
that in the last days, perilous times shall come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. From such people turn away. I'm going to come back to that, why we should turn away. But before that, I want to read a more contemporary translation. Just for the sake of driving this home a little bit more. Let's read from the New Living Translation. The same passage of the scripture. 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5 from New Living Translation. But this time around, we'll read it a little more slowly. And I wanted to try to engage with it. Let it just seep in. So this message is not the kind of message that I really want to rush through. Yeah. Uh, it's the kind of message I really want to, if I have my way, pass around microphone. Let's put it together. So you say your own, I say my own. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> it's just uh, for limitation of time. But I'm hoping that as, as I speak, the Holy Spirit will address certain issues in your heart by himself. Glory be to God. So New Living Translation, 2 Timothy chapter 3 from verse 1. It says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. And this will be the character of the difficult times. It says, for people, verse 2, for people will love only themselves. Only themselves. And it will play out in their relationships. It will play out in how they lead at work. It will play out on how they collaborate with people on, you know, uh, business transactions. So people will love only themselves and their money. Yeah, they will hold it to their chest. They will be boastful, proud, scoffing at God. Disobedient to their parents, and not just parents, but authority figures. So if you are like me, you should be, you should be watchful enough to know that uh, there's a gradual eroding of what it means to have an authority figure over your life. And we, we, we excuse it away by describing a new generation. Maybe it's a Gen Z or millennial or whatever. And we say, look, you know, uh, the way we're brought up is different from the way they're brought up. So we need to cut them some slacks. I agree. But at the same time, we're looking at a generation that's living under a very strong influence of the spirit of the end times. And we cannot shy away from redirecting and telling the truth and bringing the scriptures on the front burner so that we can, you know, rightly judge when we look at trends. Yeah, when we look at trends and what is happening in our world today. So it said they will be boastful, proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to parents and authority figures. They will not they will lose the, start, start to lose the capacity to understand the concept of honor 
That's what it means. And we must not look away from it and say it's a different generation. We need to bring them back to understanding what it means to honor. So methodology may change, but concept remains the same. Principle remains the same. Yeah. So a young person may, like if the person is African, may not prostrate like I would have done to my elderly ones, but we still give some regard. Yeah. The methodology may be changing, but the principle must remain. And I'm going to show you how all this tie up to love. Because you cannot love if you don't even have a concept for honor in your mind. So you're going to disdain a spouse. You're going to be dishonorable to a business partner if you don't even know that part of God kind of love is honor, honoring one another. And if you can't do it to authority figures, what says you're going to be able to do it to a colleague? I will say it together. I want you to follow me carefully. So the Bible says there that you'll be disobedient to parents, ungrateful, they will consider nothing sacred. Nothing sacred. So, for instance, we're dealing with an age where sex is no longer sacred. Can we shake that table a bit? Yeah. Because people now believe that marriage is not sacred. So I can change a partner like I change, you know, my, my style. <laughs> I change my hairstyle or my clothes style. It's not sacred. There's nothing, but Bible says in Ephesians chapter uh, 5, verse 22 or so, it said, husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Just stay with this scripture. Don't bring that up. Stay with where I am. Husband, love your wife as Christ, as Christ loved the church that he gave himself for her. If marriage is not sacred, why is it that God compares the love between a man and a woman to the love between Christ and the church? Are we still together? Yeah. In 1 Corinthians uh, 6, Paul was describing the fact that sex is sacred. My body is not my body. He said it was bought with a price. It is the temple of God. He said, how can you then make the temple of God uh, to be a place of, uh, uh, you know, idolatry? I mean, I can, he said, you can't join. He that is joined with the Lord is one spirit with him, but he that is joined to an allot is one body with the allot. And he said, your body was uh, paid for by Christ. I'm hoping that as we get into this month, we'll be able to dig into this a little bit more. So that young and old people alike will understand that there's a spirit of the end times that is making sacred issues look like mundane issues. Where sex is reduced to entertainment. Can sleep with anyone, can do anything, we're just having fun. There's fun that can take you to hell. Let's call it a spade a spade, not that I cut implement. Yeah. There's fun that can take you closer to God, there's fun that can take you far away from God. You choose the kind of fun you want to have. You still with me today? Yeah, as we go on in this series, we're going to shake some tables. Shake the only, only the things that will remain can remain. The things we need to shake up, we shake them off. All right.
Yeah. Whether you are in church or you are online, you need to listen. You need to listen. We need to put ourselves in the proper frame where the grace of God can find us, reach us, and transform us. So he said, they will consider nothing sacred. You see, a generation that considers nothing sacred will drag anybody, drag, you know, drag authority, drag anybody, drag parents, drag politicians. Yeah, that's the word they use on social media, drag. Yeah, like literally dragging people on the floor like this. Yeah. <laughs> Just drag anybody, drag anything. You know, it's easy, and I'm not getting into that today, but it's easy for people who believe nothing is sacred not to believe that not anything belongs to God. So it's easy to receive a message that says you are not bound to give to God. For instance, not understanding that giving to God is a sacred thing. They asked Jesus, should we pay ta uh, tax? He said, look at the coin. Whose image is on it? Guys, you need to do something about this. He said, whose image is on it? They said, Caesar. He said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. That means there's a difference between what is sacred and what is secular. Your secular obligations and your sacred obligations. Wasn't it only talking about money? So if you now have a mindset that says nothing is sacred. Yeah. How I spend my time is not sacred. How I spend my money is not sacred. How whoever I sleep with is not sacred. Anything, I can do anything. It's, it's a dangerous place to be. Are we still here? I said, are we still here? Yeah. So, it says they will be unloving, unforgiving. They will be, they will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and eat what is good. Next verse, please. They will, they will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. And lastly, they will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. It's a dangerous place to be, to come to church, to act religious, to speak in tongues, to show everybody at work that you're a Christian. Today, you see some people on social media, they will post different things about Jesus, but the next thing they will post, you will know that I'm not sure Jesus is here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because somebody just finished posting, hey, it's Sunday, and we slay to church. And then in the evening, you see the same person saying vulgar things or displaying uncouth emotions or, you know, or just exposing their body anyhow because of social media. And so what? You can get more followers that are following you to hell. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm just, okay. Because we're in the days where people's self-esteem is based on number of followers, number of likes, not whether your life is pleasing to God. As if those followers are the ones that will stand beside you on the day of judgment, say we've follow, been following him or her. Yeah. <laughs> Glory be to Jesus. 
So the culture of our society is becoming extremely fierce, and this is putting pressure on morals, on values, on you know, relationships and beliefs. Expressions of love are increasingly becoming selfish. That's what is happening. How we express love is increasingly becoming selfish, transactional, and ill-motivated. So people express love today, and it is selfish, it is transactional, it is ill-motivated. It's for certain uh, uh, gain, ulterior motives. So it's reducing our capacity to exemplify the love of God. It's seeping into many homes and redefining what love, what true love should be like. So in a world of eroding morals, where people choose self over God and fact over faith, relationships and marriages are under serious attack. Because we're tending to choose more self over God. Yeah. And fact over faith, it has a direct implication on our relational life. Because when I choose self over God, I'll be more selfish than I should be selfless in my relational life. It's a direct assault that it has on my capacity to love the way Jesus will. Also, mainstream media and social media and technology generally has made many things more easily accessible. You know, where people are now just with DM, you can, you can wreck a home. Yeah. Temptation is on all-time high because the gap between people has been diminished. Seriously. To commit adultery or fornication right now is just a, a text message away, WhatsApp message away. You know? People, people don't even need to talk again. Just send somebody nude picture. That's all. It just shows them that I'm ready. And you know if somebody's brain is walking upside down, the moment they see that, yeah. It's like you're igniting something and that's it. And it's becoming more pervasive even amongst married people. I was talking to someone recently who said, and the person was not even talking in, in I mean, it's not a private talk. We're, we're having some men and we're talking, you know, guys that, I, that I'm like speaking to, mentoring and all. And you know, the person just asked me a question, Pastor, what, what should a man do now when your best friend's wife is making a pass at you? You say, I'm confused. I've told this lady to leave me alone. Yeah, people are dealing with all kinds of things. Yeah. A brother in this church was telling me, who's a counselor, was telling me how was counseling a couple and seeing both of them together, not knowing that the woman, her head has been turned upside down. She was not listening to the counseling. It's the counselor she was looking at. The brother said, one morning, 
he was brushing and he had his phone somewhere and the phone, WhatsApp messages came in and he just thought it was something important. So he grabbed it and he opened. It was nude pictures from the lady. Yeah. So you want to turn our counselors to endangered species? <laughs> The devil is unleashing all kinds of things just to wear down people's defense. You must ring fence your own heart and your own environment to be sure that this, this, this fierce attack and assault will not wear down your resolve to live for Christ. Are you still with me today? And one of the best ways and place to show it is in your relational life. Yeah. That's why 1 Corinthians 13 says, if I speak with tongues of angel and I have no love, I'm useless. He said, even if I give my body to be burnt on a stake as a martyr, but I don't, I'm not doing it with a love motive, I don't have love in my heart, he said it's a useless exercise. And we must bring ourselves back to that place of understanding the God kind of love from time to time, from time to time. The big question I want to ask, you know, everyone here today, especially people, young people and people in the middle age, is what will your younger self or older self, will your older, the older you, thank the younger you for the decisions that you are making today and the implication that it will have in 10, 20 years' time. Somebody's listening to me now. You just turned 40 or 35. When you are 70, with that 70-year-old lady or 70-year-old man, thank the 35 or the 40 or the 25 for the decision you made then because of where it has ended them now. Or would they look for that younger you to say, if I catch you, I'll shoot you. <laughs> For where you have brought me is a bad place. Yeah. Many of us need to understand this and live with this in mind. If you make a crazy decision now to walk out on your marriage because you cannot allow God to put his love in your heart, not to love like the people who are filled with the spirit of the end times, but to love as a Christian, then in 20 years' time, when you have three children from three different baby mamas, and when you are 70, your children, they don't want to see you because they feel that you are not there for any of them and you are just everywhere and you, you cannot, you know, pull yourself together to work out a marriage, to forgive, to learn how to improve your relational life some people are destroying great ideas, businesses that God has put in their hand just because they cannot relate to where in business partnership. So 20 years from today, some people stay to build business partnership. They leave something for their children. You insist on doing something on your own, on your own, on your own. It's not panning out. And God is saying two are better than one. And not only in marriage, but in life. Because it's about living and loving that we're talking about. Two are better than one. 
Well, I just want to do my thing, my thing, my thing, my thing. And God has reserved grace for you in certain, you know, vital partnerships. But you are refusing to gain wisdom to walk into those partnerships to be able to maximize life. You are the one we are speaking to this month. Wisdom must come to you. You must appreciate in relational wisdom so that you can maximize what God has in mind for you in your life. Or oh, say a better amen, somebody. Yeah. This touch and go pattern to life must stop. Yeah. Touch and go, touch and go. You know, small pain, you run away. In your relationship, somebody step on your toes and you just run. The calmness to be able to receive people for who they are and learn from God how to handle different kinds of partnerships. That's what we're talking about. Let me digress a little to say this because I may not remember to say it again in the course of the series. We say it all the time that we're created for connection, not isolation. No human being can maximize destiny without other people. And one of the places where it, play, it plays out strongly is how you, you are able to get a safe place of vulnerability and empathy where you can be yourself with the right people. And many people have not practiced that outside of marriage. They now want to practice it in marriage. You are not married. Whether you are single, never been married, or you're separated or divorced, listen to me. You need people in your life with whom you can be vulnerable, with whom you can demonstrate empathy, and they also can demonstrate empathy. When you've gotten that right, you qualify to have a dedicated empathy partner. Many people get married, they have not practiced companionship at a certain level with other people before. And then you create this imaginary expectation of the one person who will now come and understand you through and through and be your companion, soulmate. Soulmate is a meat. I'm telling you the truth. Okay. <laughs> There's nothing automatic in companionship. It is built up. That's what I mean by saying soulmates they meet. It is at the realm of, you know, this ephemeral feeling. You and I know that in real life, feeling is fleeting. Yeah, when you get to real issues, feeling can become convoluted. You don't even know who you are again. When Wala starts, when real trouble. So building everything around feeling does not work. The concept of soulmate is about feeling. And those feelings disappear when real issues start to happen. I'm not saying two people cannot just see themselves and fall in love. But after you have fallen in love, you need to develop capacity to love. Sustain the love and grow it. If not, before your very eyes, that love will become stunted. You have kwashoko. Yes, that's what I'm saying. 
It's one thing for it to start. It's another thing for it to get deeper, stronger, better on a daily basis. Yeah. <laughs> Glory be to God. Let's examine the character of God's love as revealed in 1 Corinthians 13 from verse 4. The character of God's love as revealed in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 4. I'll read from the Passion Translation. Please give me the Passion Translation. 1 Corinthians 13 from verse 4 down to 8 from Passion Translation. It says, Love is large and in incredibly patient. As I read this, just see yourself in it. Because you, you need to trust God this month to be a true picture of God's love to your world. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievement nor inflate its own importance. This bloated sense of self-importance will limit your capacity to love. It says love does not traffic in shame and disrespect. If you understand that, your marriage will work better. Nor selfishly seeks its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. This one that you're always giving people a piece of your heart, a piece of your heart, the heart has finished. <laughs> yeah. But I would say it's only a fool that says everything in his heart. And so people say, eh, I, I, I must say my mind. I must say my mind. That's not real love. Real love constrains you to what the context, the atmosphere, and to, to, to be sensitive to the feelings of other people. Because there are some things you can say now. This partnership is over. You can't carry it together again. In my language, they say words are like eggs. When you break it, it's difficult to mold it back again. Yeah. People have said things, and two nations went to war just because of one person's statement. Yeah. That's how powerful statement and words are. Yeah. Some tribes have been at war for centuries because of what somebody said. Be mindful of what you say in your relationships. Be mindful. The Bible says love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Next verse. Love is a safe place of shelter for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat for it never gives up. And I love the first part of verse 8. It says love never stops loving. Yeah. Love never stops loving. Can somebody uh, look at your neighbor and say I will never stop loving. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't mean that people will not come in and out of your life, but does it change you in your disposition to love? That's what we're saying. Yeah. Real love, God's kind of love, never stops loving. Never stop loving. 
People will hurt you, but real love never stops loving. Let me add a little bit to it and I'll start to close. It's also important in this foundational first message of this series to let everyone know or remind you again that love is a two-way street. Yeah, love is not one way. It's a two-way street. It's about giving and receiving. Giving and receiving. Yeah, love is a two-way street. So when I see myself as a loving person, the question I want to ask myself is, where am I in my capacity to give love and my capacity to receive love? Yeah. Some people are very good with the capacity to give love. They're very loving. They can put their life on the line for their children, for their spouse, and all that. Those people... We call them sacrificial lambs. Yeah. They don't want to receive any love, but they don't know that something is going wrong inside. So one day, they just get to a point where it all comes crashing down. Yeah. And they have an emotional meltdown. And then the other person is saying, ah, so why didn't you talk all this time? Or why, you know, why this, why that? But you just, you know, take everything in. So the sacrificial lamb, they <laughs> just like Jesus, you know, hang me on the cross, do anything you like with me. I just want to keep loving. You must balance it. Love is a two-way street. I give, but I also qualify to receive. And it's not bad at all. A selfish brat is also the person who is always looking out to receive, but never giving. Please put, 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 put this slide back on the screen for me. Always looking out to receive, but never giving. No marriage can work out, no partnership can work out that way. Always receiving, never giving. Some people just want to be pampered and loved. Yeah. You know, the, they call it the baby girl lifestyle. They just fold your, you know, cross your leg, fold your arms, and somebody is just making everything available. Baby girl lifestyle is pop culture, not kingdom culture. Yeah. Yeah, because there should also be baby boy lifestyle. I hope you're getting what I'm saying today. Yeah. And can I tell you the truth? When baby boy meets baby girl, that's a disaster going somewhere to happen. Yeah. Because <laughs> everybody just wants to be loved, nobody wants to give love. Yeah. And that's what pop culture is pushing at us. So you see, a young lady who's supposed to be a Christian who says, what's wrong with being baby girl? Yeah. So I just want to receive. Just love me, love me, love me. And then you just see that real people, as in real guys, are running away from you. Because a real man has real needs. Despite his capacity to give love, he also needs, yeah. When he gets into that space and sees that this space is corrosive because it's always receiving and receiving, most in a different direction. Many marriages are breaking down today 
because of not understanding love as a two-way street. Now, let me put it all together like this. When you understand love as a two-way street, it then compels you to be mindful of how and where you give it and how and where you receive it from. Because people are receiving love from the wrong places. So as a married man or woman, when I get to work and somebody is posturing like they want to give me love, always smiling at me, showing me attention. Common sense will tell me that I need love, but I won't receive it from the wrong place. Yeah. The Bible says drink water from your own well, running water from your own system. Yeah. So, you can smile at me all you want. I have my own well where I will drink water from. Yeah. It's as simple as that. The Lord will give you understanding. Yeah. It's as simple as that. And it's my responsibility to make sure that this well is flowing. Yeah. Glory be to God. Be mindful of where you are expecting to receive or give to. There are people who are like bad drivers as well. Young people, listen to me. You are are driving on the road. You are not going right, but you are indicating. You know, the indicator is saying right, right, right. And you know you are going straight. A child of God does not behave like that. Am I communicating? You understand what I'm talking about? You'll be showing love, you know, love where you know that you're not ready to commit to the love. Yeah. Some people need cane. Proper cane. You, know, you cane them, even in the adult life. Because that conf- that's what brings all the confusion. So before you know it, every- there's confusion everywhere. Married people are confused. Single people are confused. Everybody is just... You know, indicating in different direction, love is here, love, come and take love, come and receive love, you know. <laughs> Can we all commit to taking responsibility for how and where we receive love and how and where we give it? I think it will make our world simpler. Yeah. Rather than confusing everybody all over the place. Jesus met a woman at the well in John chapter 4. And it looked like he was signaling her, like I just described. He was thirsty, he needed water. His disciples had gone to buy food. And it was just him and this woman. By the way, this woman had been married four times. She's now living the fifth man, cohabiting. Obviously, she possibly will be a gorgeous woman. Yeah? At least having something to offer. But at this point, I think they have sucked our love dry. Fear had even entered into her heart. She could not marry the other man. She's just receiving love there. Small, small. You understand what I'm saying? She was just there. 
Because when Jesus confronted, when Jesus said, go and call your husband, say, I'm not married. Jesus, Jesus said, I know. You have been married four times. You are now living with this fifth person and you are not married. That's a bad place to be. Yeah. Because she's thirsty, but she didn't know how to package herself to receive love from the right place. So even when Jesus met her in verse 9 of John chapter 4, the first posture of this woman was that, hmm, bad people have come again. They'll be looking for what is not missing. Why are you, being a Jew, asking me, a Samaritan woman, for water? It's not water you need. We know your type. We know your type. It's not water you need. Yeah. That's what she had in mind because all her life, people have sought to receive love from her. And, you know, she's been in dangerous places. And I'm saying this to say something to somebody here today that if you are in that place where it has become difficult for you to receive love again because you've been hurt, battered in several ways, the only place to look at is Christ. He knows how to fix you. Stop looking in different directions where people have nothing to offer. Let God set you up. Yeah, let him set you up. Let him give you the right understanding. Let him reposition your heart, reposition you, and then set you up. There's nothing as good as that. Jesus looked at the, the woman was describing the well, but in, interestingly, it was as if she was describing herself. She said, how are you going to get this water? The well is very deep. They have sucked this well. It's very deep. And you don't have anything to draw with. Jesus was looking at her and then answered her and said, if you know the person that is standing beside you, what this woman was saying is like, look, to get to my heart, you need a lot. Because this journey is far. We're coming from a long place. It's only four men that have been married to her, but maybe they are 35. Yeah, my body count is very high. Yeah, and you, you are coming now and saying all this. You know, it, that's, that's where she, she, she was. Because somebody's listening to me today, you've lost the capacity to trust people. You've seen too much to trust again. God wants to heal your heart amen. so you can trust again. Amen. Oh, say it better, amen, somebody. Amen. If you know the gift of God, Jesus said, and the one who is asking you for water. Who says to you, give me a drink? He said, you will ask him and he will have given you living water. Jesus said, I will heal you. Water will be flowing. Love will be flowing through you again. Flowing out of you again. Because some people have deliberately capped the capacity to love. Just because of what they've gone through. And this month, I'm trusting God to heal your heart. Amen. And reposition you for a brighter relational future. In the precious name of Jesus. Yeah. Somebody this month, you will catch the capacity to forgive again. Yeah. yeah. You will forget about that list of wrong that you have compiled in that marriage. This is the month where you are going to tear that list. Yeah. And just tell yourself, I want pure love in this home again. I want to tear this list of wrongdoings because I believe the capacity of God is being unleashed in this home. That's what I'm trusting God for, for somebody here. Oh, say better amen, somebody. Amen. Glory be to God. And somebody is listening to me right now. I say this to you by the Spirit. You feel God cannot use you again 
because of all your relational errors. You've, I mean, what is supposed to be working around you is not working. Failed relationships, no joy. You just feel like you've wasted time, you've wasted effort. will not only pass through, it will abide with you this new month. And all the relational issues that has held you back, the emotional baggage that you are carrying, God uh, uh, will, will unravel them this month so that it can heal you completely. Lift your two hands with me and just say, Father, fill my heart again with your love. Somebody saying, Father, heal my heart. Father, heal my heart. Heal my heart. Heal my heart. Somebody saying, Father, I want to be able to forgive. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I want to forgive. I know you can pour out grace. Yeah. I, I, right now, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I know that I will forgive. And I know that your grace is coming upon me. Yeah. I know your grace is coming upon me. Somebody saying, Father, I want to love again, but I don't know how it's going to happen. I just want to yield myself to you because... To whom, to, to him that believes, all things are possible. 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 Somebody is saying, Lord, I know the atmosphere in my home can be transformed. This is too toxic. But I know with you all things are possible. All things are possible. Whatever it is around you, I want you to speak to God about it right now. Make it personal. The encounter with Jesus at the well is starting right here today. And all through this month of September, that encounter will continue. Somebody this month, as you open your Bible to read it, God will be releasing things to your heart about your relationship. Somebody you have a dream this month, God will show up and tell you things about your relational future. Lord, we give you permission to overflow every heart, everyone present here, everyone online. Father, we give you permission to visit, to overflow, like you did with the woman at the well. Let it start right now. Let it start right now. 
Let it start right now. Meet a man by the way. Meet a woman by the way. Let something start right now. Maradagabu Sakatambe. Ye Korodobose. Mambra deca tu pre eke legabosha. Meredabo soto pre enge. Lake sise takayaga. Father, let the healing start. Let the healing start. Let the encounter start. Set someone free this season. Let that heaviness start to go in the name of Jesus. Let the depression lift, never to return. Let our bout of hatred start to live right now. Whatever has capped anyone's capacity to love, we stand against you now in the name of Jesus. And we command a divine release, a divine release, a divine release, a divine release. Thank you, everlasting Father. Father, we bless your name. One more time today, wave your hands to Jesus. Somebody is receiving the capacity to be faithful. Faithful. God will find you faithful. In that relationship, God will find you faithful. In that marriage, God will find you faithful. In that business partnership, God will find you faithful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. I wanted to all say this. Can we, can we put that confession on the screen? We're going to say it together. I'm just going to say a prayer as we, as we close this service, as we wrap it up. Uh, from 1 Corinthians 13 and verse number 4, we're just going to confess it together from the Passion Translation. Right? I want to say after me, say, I'm large and incredibly patient. I'm gentle and consistently kind to all. I refuse to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. I do not brag about my achievement, nor inflate my own importance. I do not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seek my own honor. I am not easily irritated or quick to take offense. We're going to take that one one more time. And you know why I'm emphasizing it. Yeah. We're going to take that one one more time. And I need you to say it from your heart. When we confess the word of God, the capacity to do it is released. So I want to say it after me, everyone online, everyone in this room right now. Say, I'm not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Say, I joyfully celebrate honesty and find no delight in what is wrong. Say, I'm a safe place of shelter for I never stop believing the best for others. Say, I never take failure as defeat. I never give up. 
Say, I will never stop loving. Say it again. Say, I will never stop loving. Glory be to Jesus. Come on, somebody put your hands together. Celebrate Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift your two hands with me in prayer. Our Father, we thank you. Where the word of the king is, there is power. Your power has been released in this service. Let it continue to rest upon somebody here. Let it bring the right change. Let it renew our mind. Help us to hone the truth that we now know. Pour out your grace for us to be able to live it out practically. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Lord, renew and restore destinies. Repair damaged relational destinies. In the name of Jesus. Let homes be repaired. Let walls be pulled down. Amen. Let there be no more putting asunder. Amen. Open somebody's eyes Amen. to see what you are doing Amen. and help them to walk into it. Amen. Lord, keep us holy. Amen. Help us to embrace holiness Amen. in our relational life. Amen. Give us integrity. Help us to embrace integrity Amen. in our relational life. Amen. Holy Spirit will give you permission to overflow our heart. Amen. You are the one that is at work in us to will and to do of your good pleasure. Walk in us. Walk in us. Amen. Lead us in the path of your good pleasure. Amen. That your name may be glorified. Amen. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Somebody who is blessed today, put your hands together, celebrate Jesus. Hallelujah. Please, you may have your seat.